Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Hancock County Commissioner William Bateson returned to the job this month from an extended medical absence, but will likely miss more time as he continues his recovery. Certainly, we all wish him the best, but should residents be concerned about the work of county government getting done in the interim? Also this morning, the healthcare worker shortage. It was a problem before the pandemic, now it's becoming a crisis. How can it be addressed before it begins to affect the quality of care patients receive? And we'll get an update on October programming at the Findlay Hancock County Public Library. Sarah Clevidence will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, September 27th, 2023. Will they or will they not get a deal done ahead of this weekend to keep the government open? That's a big question, and um, they're working on it in the House. In the Senate, they have passed a short-term stopgap funding bill, uh, but the House is never going to go for it. Uh, Meanwhile, the House working on their own set of bills that the Senate will probably uh, reject. So... It's looking more and more likely we will get a government shutdown at the uh, end of the week. And this is another example, yet another example, of the polarized politics that we see in our country today. They you know, got to get uh, something done in order to fund the government. At some point, you would think they have to come together, but there's no indication that either side is particularly interested in that. It's just more political polarization and gridlock that uh, that comes from it. And a lot of people these days uh, lament the fact that we are so polarized and so negative in our politics. But I thought this was kind of interesting. Research from the Ohio State University finds that in the current era of extreme political polarization, it turns out that those who are the most negative are not Republicans being negative toward Democrats or Democrats being negative toward Republicans. Those expressing the most negative views are independents. Uh, OSU research found that uh, individuals without strong political affiliations often frame their preferences in terms of opposition rather than support. I mean, at least you make the argument that Democrats support Democratic ideals. Um, Republicans support conservative ideals. Uh, but it is the independents that frame their preferences in terms of what they oppose rather than what they support. The findings stem from five distinct studies indicate that this trend of negative selection by independents is not just limited to politics either. When it comes to their preferences for baseball teams, academic subjects, even ice cream flavors, independents, political independents, typically make choices based on what they dislike rather than what they prefer, according to the study authors. So that's an interesting perspective and one that I I guess I had really not uh, thought of, but uh, the people that are the most negative in politics are not the right or the left, they are the ones in the middle. Kind of interesting. 
Uh, let's see. What else is going on among the first things you need to know this morning? The most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Here's uh, the latest global warming uh, story. And, um, you know, I always say there's always got to be something that we're worried about. Every story, there, every day, there is a doom and gloom story that is indicative. I mean, it's basically saying that the end of the world is coming. This is what we are worried about today. And it goes back to the global warming question, the climate change question. It says, hotter temperatures and global warming could have the unintended consequence of increased substance abuse. <laughs> okay. How do they tie those two things together, you might ask? Scientists in New York have found a correlation between rising temperatures and an increase in hospital admissions for drug and alcohol consumption. The research team analyzed over 670,000 alcohol-related hospital visits and 720,000 drug-related hospital visits. Potential reasons for the link could be more outdoor activities and increased dehydration. The uh, senior author of the study, a researcher whose name I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce because it is, well, I'm just not going to attempt it. Senior author of the study said uh, public health interventions that broadly target alcohol and substance disorders in warmer weather should be a public health priority in the United States Alcohol-related deaths and drug overdose deaths have been increasing, and apparently it's all because of global warming. Or it could just be the drug cartels. You know, there's, there is that. But no, it's global warming. <laughs> it's the latest thing we're uh, worried about. Um, some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. This is something that I had not really thought of, but I guess it makes sense. You know, in a lot of restaurants, they have the secret menu. You know, things that aren't on the menu, aren't on the signboards, but that you can order uh, nonetheless at the counter if you know about these secret hidden items. Sometimes they are actual items that the kitchen can make, Um that they just don't put up on the signboard for one reason or another. Sometimes the secret menu items are um, combinations of or variations of menu items that are that become so common, the variations become so common that they're sort of a menu item unto themselves, even though it's not technically on the menu. You know what I mean? Chipotle is one of the... Uh, restaurants. There are a number of them, but Chipotle is uh, very well known for their uh, off-menu items, their menu hacks, their secret items. And a lot of that is because uh, Chipotle is very uh, popular chain among many millennials and, you know, TikTokers, right? Um, and this story that I saw on the Newswire I thought was kind of interesting. It says the age of those viral TikTok menu hacks may soon be coming to an end. Chipotle in particular has partnered with a startup called Hyphen to produce robots that will make burrito bowls. 
So instead of having the humans construct your meal, they'll be made by robots. The Make Line is the name of the robot, will create burrito bowls at the rate of 120 to 180 bowls per hour, six times the rate of the human worker. So much more efficient, and they don't have to, they never call in sick. Um, you know, things that they don't, they don't just up and quit when they find a better job. The robots can do it forever, and they can do it faster. In addition to being faster, the robot also would be very precise, which would put a damper on those who try to use menu hacks to get more for their buck or create a special menu item, you know, one of those uh, off-menu, hidden-menu items. If machines are making the food, then forget about getting something extra special, you know, something the secret menu. That is very interesting. Uh, could be come the era of the secret menu coming to an end. One more way that robots are ruining mankind, ruining our society. And I think it's both. It's uh, robots, AI, social media. It's all just ruining the world. By the way, um, along those same lines, the influencer phenomenon. Influencers, that's the big thing now among young people. We look to influencers on social media to influence our purchasing decisions and so on and so forth. These viral internet celebrities may be taking over the nation, but they not may not all reside where you think. Um, earlier this month, Casino.org set out to find the state in which the most social media influencers uh, reside. The criteria included a minimum of 10,000 followers, a 2% or higher engagement rate, individuals age 18 or older, so no teeny bop influencers here, the account uh, type, the creator account type, and verified and credible accounts on social media. They were looking specifically at Instagram, but you know, it could be Instagram, TikTok, uh, any of these social media platforms where you have a high concentration of influencers. And they calculated influencers per capita based on each state's population. So, where do you know what what place has the most influencers per capita? Washington DC. Uh, the Undeniable influencer capital, boasting a staggering 129.9 influencers per capita. Hmm. Uh, On the opposite coast, California comes in second with an average of 90 influencers per capita. New York is third in the nationwide influencer rankings. 76.7 influencers uh, per capita. I'm assuming these, when they say per capita, is like per thousand people. 76 uh, uh, per thousand. Uh, Tennessee, actually, uh, comes in fourth. 49.3 influencers per capita. Um, And uh, let's see here. Fifth place is Hawaii. Uh, 
And it doesn't have the uh, actual numbers. But uh, Hawaii is fifth. I thought that was kind of interesting. Tennessee and Hawaii. Uh, D.C. was a bit of a surprise. New York and California, not a surprise at all. Uh, But Tennessee and Hawaii, uh, the uh, top five states for influencers, where influencers live. Uh, In case you're curious, Wyoming claims the title of having the lowest influencer count per capita with a modest (laughs) 1.71. 1.71, what, per thousand, yeah. Uh, so very few influencers in Wyoming. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm say 1.71 per capita. The entire state of Wyoming actually has just one Instagram influencer that met all of the criteria according to the uh, results of the, uh, of the study. Just one in the entire state of Wyoming. Uh, well, I guess... He or she must be a big fish in a little pond, as they say. Anyway. And uh, this, I thought, was uh, really uh, interesting. Let me throw this ad, uh, out at you it's, uh, really quickly here. Um, one of the uh, big things in Iraq now, in Kurdistan, Iraq, American-style buffets have become incredibly popular. Uh, you know how Western... Uh, culture, American culture has influenced uh, other countries, Japan and uh, even uh, in in Europe and so on. But uh, this is the first time I think in the Middle East I've seen a, a story like this. In Iraq, American-style buffets have become a big, big trend. Buffets like Golden Corral. Um, there is a, a restaurant in Kurdistan that is modeled after Golden Corral and <laughs> buffet. And the reason they say is cultural. They say it is uh, because uh, in Iraqi culture, it is common to invite friends out to dinner and the person who does the inviting pays for everyone. And at a buffet, it's one price for all you can eat, no matter what you eat. And it becomes very budget friendly to take one's friends out to eat and pay for everyone because you know up front how much it's going to cost you. That was kind of interesting. I really thought about that, but uh, of all of the things, I just thought that was a really interesting story. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. A chance of showers today with a high in the low 70s. Showers possible tonight at low around 60. Ballrick Snack Foods and Tiffin has announced that it was acquired by Cincinnati snack food manufacturer Grippo's. Ballrick says the deal will add capacity to the Ballrick plant and jobs to Seneca County while enabling Grippo's to enhance its productivity, brand portfolio, and market reach. Ballrick's president, Tom Miller, says this is an exciting new chapter for everybody associated with Ballrick's. He says, like Ballrick's and Tiffin, Grippo's is an institution in Cincinnati and throughout the Ohio River Valley. Both companies were founded more than 100 years ago and are industry leaders in their regions. The Miracle League of Finley was presented with a $4,300 check from the 11th Annual WKXA 106.3 The Fox Charity Golf Scramble. We really appreciate receiving these funds. We appreciate the, uh, the support from the community and Ohio Logistics as a title sponsor. And I think we really put the money to good use. Jerry Boyd is treasurer of the board of the Miracle League. He says they'll use the money to send some of their players and families to the national all-star games that are coming up. Get more of our conversation with Jerry and learn more about the Miracle League of Finley and the story on our website.
A comfort dog named Anna from Trinity Lutheran Church in Toledo is being remembered. She worked with several mass shootings to comfort victims and first responders at Michigan State, Oxford, Parkland, Las Vegas, and Dayton. And you may have heard of Anna locally because during the 2016 Timothy and Estine Severo trial, Anna sat beside both victims while they told their story. Lutheran Church Charities has close to 130 comfort dogs nationwide. WTOL 11's Tatiana Cash reporting. The University of Finley will be holding its first ever Career Exploration Day on Friday. The College of Business is partnering with Marathon and UF's College Credit Plus office to help students research careers in business. Students will interact with a panel of professionals from Marathon, meet students from UF's business program, and learn more about career fields and what those careers entail. Don't forget, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. So our cover story this morning, uh, a couple of weeks ago, got some really good news. Hancock County Commissioner William Bateson returned to his job earlier this month from uh, about three months away, nearly three months away, in an extended medical absence. Now, he will be missing more time as he continues his recovery, we understand. Um, but uh, and, and we certainly wish him uh, the best of uh, all the best in his uh, continued recovery and, and so on. It was, like we said, certainly good news uh, that he was able to return. But it does raise the question, we wondered uh, whether we should be concerned about the work of county government getting done in the interim. And uh, so joining us this morning to talk more about navigating this most unusual situation is fellow Commissioner Tim Bechtel. And Tim, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. Um, yep. Again, it first of all, I guess we should preface all of this by saying it is rather unprecedented. It's not something that anyone really here has had to deal with uh, before. I can't recall ever a time uh, of having uh, something like this uh, happen. So to a certain extent, want to cut everybody a little slack because it's something that, you know, you're just kind of navigating uh, a bit of the unknown. But you make the point that much of the day-to-day work of county government operations actually happens at the department level, uh, which is really not affected uh, by any of this. Yes. Thanks, Chris, for having me in this morning. Uh, County government is different than municipal government or state government. And uh, having one county commissioner out of the office, um, while that that absence does have a a direct effect on the commissioner's operations, Mm -hmm. it really doesn't have as much effect on the other county elected officials because we're all at the same plateau on the county level yeah so we have 14 elected officials in hancock county three commissioners three judges uh the engineer the auditor the treasurer recorder yeah prosecutor sheriff clerk of courts and coroner yeah so um when the commission when a commissioner's out it doesn't really affect those other elected officials as much as it does our office yeah um that being said how have you been making do uh over the the past nearly three months well, Mike Peppel and I, the other uh, two commissioners, have been um, uh, cycling through uh, Bill Bateson's uh, different seats on the various boards at, um, as best we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's adding, you know, obviously by math, that's adding about 50% of extra time and effort on right. both of our parts, but that's right. okay. Uh, and for instance, a good example is the Alliance um, uh, board. Uh, then has uh, three boards under it, Economic Development, Chamber of Commerce, and 
and Convention Visitors Bureau. Mm-hmm. We usually divide that up among the three commissioners. Mm-hmm. So now we're taking all of those meetings on just with the two. Yeah. And uh, when when you go from three commissioners to two, and we need two for a quorum, mm-hmm. um, anytime we want to decide to pass any legislation on the county level to pass a resolution, we need two in agreement. Mm-hmm. So when you have two instead of three, that takes that combination of how to pass that yeah. from three different ways to one way. Yeah, <laughs> and it's right. got to be both commissioners present have to agree. Right. So, and that's not been a problem. I was going to say, has that come up at all where you've been at an impasse on any uh, issue that has come before the commissioners? Nothing that we couldn't work out in relatively short order. So, And, and how much of this is, uh, is laid out in terms of how you operate and move forward and how much of it is laid out in statute and, and how much are you kind of left to navigate for yourself and figure out how to make this work? Much of it is, uh, much of the skeleton is laid out in statute and we depend on our prosecutor for uh, that interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, again, uh, for any absence like this, he has 90 days um, to be absent um, um, without a doctor's excuse. Then there's a 10-day period where a doctor's excuse can be presented. Mm-hmm. That would present them with another 30 days before the office would become vacant. Right. And um, uh, right now he has um, appeared back in the office within the 90-day period. So that 90-day clock starts all over again. Yeah. So, And, and we expect him back here in the next few weeks. But um, uh, it, we don't know when it will be on a more regular basis. Yeah. And uh, again, in the meantime, an added workload for uh, yourself and Commissioner Peppel uh, as well. And uh, I, I know that uh, – I, well, there are a couple of things that, that this all uh, brings up. As I mentioned, three commissioners, that's actually uh, kind of set uh, because, you know, I guess the next question that, that one would ask is, hey, is three the right number? Should there be more in case something like this happens? And there are different structures, but uh, nearly all of the uh, counties – are, are set at three commissioners, and yes. that's, again, by statute, right? Yes, it's to keep it to the bare minimum of what you would need compared to the other county elected officials only have one department head in each of their offices. Mm-hmm. Um, county commissioners are kind of set up like township trustees in, in that way. The township trustees all work on three as well. Uh, there's only two counties um, in the state that don't just use three, and that's Summit County, which is in Akron, and Cuyahoga County in Cleveland. They have 12-member um, uh, county councils. It mm. works much more like a city council would. Yeah. Now, is is that not that we would want to uh, change to that sort of structure? But is that uh, up to the county? I mean, can that be done at the county level? Yeah, or? the county level would yes. have to make that kind of change. Okay. And it's usually for higher, denser populated areas. Yeah, like Akron and yeah Cleveland. would not necessarily, and and even many of those. Uh, higher density uh, population areas, say Columbus, Cincinnati, uh, do not. They still work off of yeah, three. They still yes. work off mm-hmm. of, uh, of three, even at uh, at that level. Um, the the other thing that was kind of interesting, and I want to uh, mention this uh, with respect to uh, having the the commissioners uh, present at the meeting, they actually have to physically be present. Uh, at at the meeting, there is no provision to uh, 
you know, virtual meetings or uh, meet by uh, video conference right. or anything like that. Yeah. It actually has to be. We do person. need to be present in person uh, with each other. And that, uh, uh, of course, uh, gives great restriction for us uh, for sunshine laws, too, because uh, it doesn't happen in our county. But what would happen if you had a smaller county where two commissioners may even be cousins or or brother and sister-in-laws or, or what have you, or uh, see each other on a regular basis outside the office. So, yeah. so this is, um, uh, this is set up so that, um, we are at least two in, uh, in present in the mm-hmm. office. And, and of course, uh, commissioner Bateson happens to be the chair of our um, board this year. So I'm the vice chair. So I'm actually uh, acting as so interim acting. chair. Yeah. And there's several contracts and agreements that, and applications that we file that only require the chair's signature. But again, that has to be approved by a quorum of the board. Uh, the chair just can't sign anything that they want. Mm-hmm. They have to still have two members uh, make that um, yeah, so and make those, that approval. All of those checks and balances uh, mm-hmm. on the line. So, as we mentioned, uh, there's probably going to be uh, some time moving forward uh, for which Commissioner Basin will not be uh, available uh, from time to time. Maybe uh, some quite lengths. Uh, like uh, long lengths of time. What is the plan moving forward? Pretty much to do what you've been doing uh, already, or are there uh, other things that you are looking at contingencies uh, moving forward? We will continue on with the, the current um, um, uh, mode of operation as, as we uh, fill in all the uh, any holes as best we can. We're not going to hit everything, we realize, with two people, but mm-hmm. uh, we will we will be there and, and get the job done. And, and oh, by the way, don't forget our little $20 million construction project that was going to keep us busy to begin with downtown. <laughs> right. so. Yeah, it's not like there's not a whole lot of this stuff already going on yeah. uh, downtown. And that actually brings up the uh, the point. We are coming up toward the end of the year, which means uh, budget process budget is coming up. How is that going to be affected uh, if you just have the two of you as opposed to the three of you? Well, each of the different entities that pull money from the general fund come in uh, on a scheduled meeting with the commissioners to discuss their budget needs. We've already sent out a um, kind of a, an outline of what we feel would be uh, appropriate um, increases uh, in their different line items. Uh, so we, we are, uh, we'll schedule those meetings with, with Mike and I will be there to uh, hit that. And I guess the big thing with just having two instead of three is mm-hmm. it really forces Mike and I to be at every meeting. Um, not that we would be skipping meetings for no reason, right? but, uh, when one of us might be sick with a, a, a cold or flu or uh, heaven forbid COVID, uh, that shuts down our uh, operations till that person gets back. And we are coming up on that season yeah. as well, as we've been talking about on the, uh, on we the gotta, program. we got to so, stay healthy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. So uh, don't stand too close to me. No, um, no I'm, I'm, I'm the, the, I'm the uh, vision of health right now. I've had my, all my vitamin C. And, yeah. But with respect to the, the whole budget process, uh, again, given that Commissioner Bateson is, uh, is the uh, chair, uh, that's not going to cause uh, any additional hardships or problems or difficulties. Uh, no. Not to not to anything ex- uh, exceptionally right now because each year we rotate through the chair. Yeah. So every commissioner could be the chair at any given time. Yeah. It just I was planning on uh, we had it set up so that I would be the chair next year while the other two offices were um, running for reelection. 
so that they would have uh, less um, um, obligations at that point. Yeah, so. that it, that brings up a whole uh, different uh, set of circumstances that we're not going to go into uh, this morning. But again, uh, with the uh, issues uh, surrounding Commissioner Bateson, and uh, he is up for re-election next year, uh, I'm sure we'll be talking more about that. Um in another context as we uh, as we move forward but good to know essentially the message is the operations continue pretty much unaffected it's a little bit of an extra workload but things still getting done yeah and much of that has to do with the fact that the commissioners don't control everything in the county uh, we work through the budget uh, needs with each of the different offices but mm-hmm. there is so much of the operations of the county that are run by the other 11 uh, elected officials yeah Again, uh, Hancock County Commissioner Tim Bechtel with us uh, this morning talking about uh, the way uh, operations have been structured and been uh, moving forward uh, despite uh, being you know, the commissioners uh, being one man down, as it were. Um, Tim, thanks very much for uh, dropping by, kind of giving us an update on where things stand. We appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Chris. Well, a shortage of healthcare professionals in this country was an issue long before the pandemic, and now the problem is even more acute, so much so that it is on the minds of many patients. A recent Harris poll found that 68% of Americans worry that this healthcare worker shortage could negatively impact their own health. Lisa Gables is Chief Executive Officer of the American Academy of Physician Associates. And uh, Lisa, do they have reason to be concerned? I mean, how is the worker shortage in healthcare impacting Americans' access to and or quality of care? Well, as you just mentioned, this problem was here before the pandemic and is now having a profound impact on the access to, to care for patients. People are frustrated and they're anxious about their ability to get the care they need when they need it. Our research with the Harris Poll found that nearly 75% of people said that the healthcare system is not meeting their needs, and about 25% gave the healthcare system today a failing grade. One of the most problematic areas is the amount of time it takes to get an appointment. Patients are waiting on average almost a month to get a medical appointment. That's just simply too long to wait for care, especially when someone's in need of medical attention right away. Now, I want to make sure that I... I qualify this and and clarify this uh, because we don't want to cause any undue uh, concern or panic. Are we talking mostly about an issue of access to care or actual quality of care? Well, I think we're talking mostly about access at the moment. However, when people are rushed in providing care, quality does and can go down. So it's Access does impact quality. Fair point. Talk about some of the uh, additional findings, some of the other things that really stood out to you from this uh, Harris Poll survey. Well, the findings really paint a clear picture of the obstacles that many Americans face in accessing healthcare today. Rising costs, long wait times to see a provider, the disparities in care. They've left, all these things have left millions of Americans feeling anxious about their well-being and uncertain about the future, which is a little scary for most people. The report shows that on average, patients spend eight hours of each month coordinating care for their families. And 
you know, really scary is 40% of people are skipping or delaying care. And even scarier is that 60% of people only seek care when they're sick. So this really does not bode well for health prevention and wellness and, and things like that. So this is really unacceptable and we must take action now to deal with these problems. I, I want to ask why. What is creating this shortage? I mean, obviously, during the pandemic, the narrative was the long hours, the stress, the burnout. But again, this was already an issue before the pandemic. So what are the obstacles that are making this care so that are creating the care shortage and and making it more severe Mm -hmm. well there are a lot of obstacles we could probably spend all day talking about that (laughs) but one of the most significant issues are barriers to practice that exist in each state very technically laws and regulations have been have not been updated in a way to reflect the medical care and how it's delivered now these laws and regulations create artificial barriers to access And we support immediate and rapid change to improving this situation for everyone. And we're not alone. 91% of the people surveyed in the Harris Bowl support updating these outdated PA practice laws. So the people have spoken here. They want better health. Updating these laws is a win-win for patients and the entire healthcare system. Now, I seem to recall that a number of years ago, the state of Ohio looked at this and did, in fact, update uh, their rules and regulations regarding physician assistance. Do those need to be further uh, amended or talk a little bit about how uh, physician assistance can even uh, help even more to alleviate some of these issues that we're talking about with respect to Americans and accessing health care. Sure. And it is true that um, Ohio did make some uh, changes. A lot of states have made changes, actually. After mm. COVID, we did recognize, people recognized that some of these laws needed to be changed. It's just not enough. So we, we really are looking for more and more um, updates to these laws. And PAs, of course, have been prior to COVID and continue to be now on the front line of healthcare. They can prescribe medicine, they can diagnose and treat illnesses. And the survey actually indicated that people feel more valued seeing a PA because oftentimes the PA has more time to listen to them. Yeah. As one of the fastest growing medical professions in the country, PAs are highly trained medical professionals and are often the most accessible to patients. In fact, 90% of the patients say that PAs increase this access to care and make medical appointments easier to get. So clearly, we believe, and the study shows, that PAs are part of the solution in addition to changing the regulations and state laws across the country. Is this unique to America? I mean, it seems like we don't hear about this issue happening in other countries. Is that just because we're not in those other countries? I mean, are, are other uh, places they dealing with many of these same issues? Well, I will say I can't speak to all the laws and rules in every other country in the United States. What I will say is the demand for health care is increasing across the world, largely because the population is aging. And the demand for health care in the aging population is increasing at a rapid rate. 
So what's happening is the demand for care is outstripping the supply. Pretty simple. So this is not necessarily something where we can look to other countries for, you know, what has worked in Canada or in the UK or something like that. I mean, this, to a certain extent, is something that every uh, nation is grappling with. Well, every nation does grapple with some problems that are similar to this. Some uh, countries use socialized medicine where all people receive free health care. The question there is the health care of high quality. I can't speak to that, but I do know that all countries, at least westernized countries, are facing this problem of a demand increase and a supply shortage. Again, Lisa Gables is chief executive officer of the American Academy of Physician Associates. Where do we appreciate you taking the time, sharing your insight on this? Where do we get more information uh, about this uh, data, the survey, and and so on? Sure. You can receive more information at aapa.org slash patient experience. And I do appreciate your time today. And a tip is the next time you call or go on live for an appointment, ask for the PA. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. We have a couple of stories out of the Sunshine State uh, this morning. Florida is always good for a couple of good broken news uh, items. A uh, woman in St. Petersburg, Florida, is being accused of attacking her daughter... With a frozen chicken. <laughs> Court records show that the incident happened early Monday at the residence of 30-year-old Mary Marquart. Her daughter told police that she threw a frozen chicken at her and struck her in the right leg. Now, is the daughter's right leg, not the chicken's right leg. The uh, affidavit does not say what triggered the alleged attack. But uh, Ms. Marquardt is now facing a domestic battery charge and has been ordered to have no contact with her daughter. Or, I would imagine, frozen poultry would be off limits as well. (laughs) Well, we'll continue to follow the story. Attacking her daughter with a frozen chicken. Mm. Uh, Not to be outdone, Miami police arrested a man after a more than two-hour standoff while, while he was dancing and doing yoga poses on top of a fire truck in the middle of traffic. <laughs> and this led to a two-hour standoff. He's uh, dancing and doing yoga on top of a fire truck. Um, city cops responded to initial reports of uh, the man dancing in, the biz- in a busy intersection in southern, southern Broward County. Uh, when they showed up then, he jumped on top of the truck, uh, and he had to be coaxed down. It took more than two hours to uh, bring the incident to a resolution. Uh, the story goes on to say that the man, whose name was not given in the report, will likely face a mental evaluation. Will likely face a mental evaluation. Probably a good idea. Uh, elsewhere in the broken news, um, this is, oh, I don't know where this is. It says North Charles, North Charleston police. Is that in uh, South Carolina? The only Charleston that, that immediately jumps to mind is uh, South Carolina. So I'm going to assume that that's where this is. Anyway, uh, police, they're looking for a suspect who used hot water 
to steal $2,000 worth of lottery tickets from a gas station over the weekend. Allow me to explain how he did this. Investigators say the uh, man uh, walked into the mobile station, mobile gas station, wearing a ski mask, hard hat, work boots, and gloves, proceeded to heat up a cup of, a cup of water at the store's coffee station, and then threw it at the clerk to distract him while he then grabbed the full stand of lottery tickets. You know how they have the lottery tickets in like this self-contained plastic stand on the counter there. So he throws the hot water that he heated up at the store um, and then uh, grabbed the full stand of lottery tickets. Officers say the victim had already fled uh, when they arrived on the scene about 6.30 Saturday morning. I just, I just the the time that that must have taken. He went through the uh, process of heating up the uh, water there at the station, and then threw it on the uh, clerk. I just thought that was kind of odd. Um, let's see. It wasn't just a smash and grab sort of thing. He actually took his time. Um, a Pittsburgh man is facing charges now. This is a story where. The moral of the story is be careful who you get in an argument with. Your neighbors, you just don't know whether they are, you know, have all of their faculties about them. A Pittsburgh man is facing charges after he ran over his neighbor with his car following an argument. Um, It doesn't say what the argument was about, but uh, the incident happened... Uh, On Bristol Street in Pittsburgh, the victim listed in stable condition. He's going to recover. 53-year-old Kevin Garth is facing several charges, including aggravated assault by vehicle and criminal mischief. Again, it doesn't say what uh, what the argument, what the beef was about with his neighbor, but he ran him over with a car. Man. Uh, here's another uh, story of a, a person who got into trouble following his uh, GPS, his Google Maps. Delivery driver in Massachusetts is now facing charges after uh, following his GPS into a body of water while attempting to deliver a Duncan order. <laughs> he went for a little Duncan himself. In the local lake, Uh, according to local authorities, Middleton police, Middleton, Massachusetts police received a call from a distressed driver reported being marooned in a wooded area submerged in water. Their vehicle rendered inoperable upon arriving at the scene. The driver explained that he had diligently followed the GPS instructions to reach an address, but it led Uh, the driver down an unpaved road that inexplicably terminated in a body of water with the Duncan order in hand. The driver managed to escape the vehicle. See, at least he saved the food. Uh, He uh, 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 sought out refuge in a nearby home. uh, And that is where the uh, homeowner called for assistance. Police subsequently located the submerged vehicle, which was still running uh, down a, a nearby dirt path, the driver who's identified, uh, whose identity remains undisclosed will face charges of negligent operation of a motor vehicle with authorities, uh, they say, also pursuing a suspension of the driver's uh, license. Which, 
It's going to be hard to deliver orders if he has a, a suspended license. Wow. That's pretty that's pre- that's pretty dramatic to seek a revocation of his drive. I get apparently if he's not smart enough to uh, ignore the GPS, if it's leading you into a body of water, then you're just not smart enough to drive, I guess, is the way the uh, police figure it. And finally, in the broken news this morning from the international file, a couple in New Zealand who say that they were subjected to drooling, snorting. Uh, let's try that again. A uh, New Zealand couple who say they were subjected to a drooling, snorting, and farting dog on a long airline flight have now gotten a $1,400 refund for their trouble. Uh, Gill and Warren Press say that they asked to switch their seats mid-flight from Paris to Singapore because the smell from the <laughs> cheese-cutting dog was so strong. Dog that was on board, and it's hard, you know, if the dog's, you know, passing gas, <laughs> filling up the plane. There's no way you can really escape that. Um, <laughs> the only seats available uh, were they were they had, I guess, first class seats, premium seats. The only uh, open seats available were back in economy, in the economy class, which they gratefully accepted uh, just to get away from the dog. However, then they wanted Singapore Airlines to refund them the difference in the cost of the seats. They paid for the premium seats. They had to fly in economy. And even though they willingly gave up their seats because of the circumstances, they wanted a refund. Uh, Singapore Airlines initially refused, but eventually capitulated and have refunded him, uh, refunded them, uh, the, the couple, the $1,400 price uh, difference in price of the uh, two seats. So <laughs> I don't know if you talk about being trapped on a plane with a farting dog, <laughs> maybe $1,400 would have been a small price to pay. Honestly, if you really think about it, well, there you go. Uh, it does have a happy ending. That story. That is today's broken news report, an update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Ever wonder what being a Finley Rotarian is all about? I'm Alyssa Preston, director of the Hancock County Convention and Visitors Bureau. I am proud to be a Finley Rotarian because locally we make an impact by recognizing amazing educators in the Finley and Hancock County area through the Golden Apple Award. To become part of an organization that brings together business, professional leaders to provide community service, and advance goodwill, contact Findlay Rotary at findlayrotary.org and click on join. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. So we're coming up on the gift-giving season. It is that time of the year uh, once again, and uh, a lot of places are actually already starting or will very soon start their early holiday sales. So this is very timely as you begin. And what were we talking about uh, the other day uh, that uh, nearly half of Americans, or it would be over half of Americans, say they're going to start their Christmas shopping by Halloween, if not before. Many have already started. So uh, you might want to keep this in mind as you are starting to you know, create your gift-giving list. A new poll of 2,000 adults finds 75% Three out of four people say they receive up to seven presents each year 
that they will never use. (laughs) You may fancy yourself a good gift giver, but the data says otherwise. (laughs) Seven presents each year that they will never use. So what are the worst gifts? Uh, They asked people in this poll uh, what some of the worst gifts they've ever been given are. And uh, responses include bad romance novels, (laughs) diet plans. Who gives someone a diet plan as a gift? (laughs) That's, uh, I would never consider doing that. Uh, Car manuals, like repair manuals. That again, kind of an odd gift, but. Some people say that they have actually got this soap on a string, um, hankies, aftershave, those personal care products, not necessarily the best gifts. And when asked, what was the worst gift you ever got? One respondent said, a new map of the United States. (laughs) Oh, boy. A new map of the United States. Um, As a matter of fact, this I thought was kind of interesting. Again, when asked... Uh, what they don't want to get for birthdays, Christmas, whatever. 57% of the respondents in the survey, so a majority, nearly 6 in 10, say that they do not want clothing of any kind. They do not welcome clothing of any kind being selected by someone else. You want to give a gift card to a clothing store or something like that? That's fine. But to actually buy a piece of clothing, and that's, I have this rule. Uh, that I don't buy people clothes. I generally do not buy people clothes for Christmas because you're in a no-win situation. If it's, I mean, if you're if you're off, if it's too small, you know, people think, "What do you think I should lose weight?" And if it's too big, you know, they think, "What do you think I'm fat?" You know, there's just it's a no-win. Fifty-seven percent say they do not want clothing. Uh, so keep that in mind. Um. So what do people do with the gifts that they receive that they don't want? Um, Well, 27% said that they will graciously accept the gift. Uh, 17% will pretend to be delighted, even though they're not. Uh, One in 10 show no emotion and simply do nothing. 21% of those in the survey say that they have had a falling out with a friend or a loved one over a bad present. So one in five actually lost a friend or had a falling out with a family member over a bad present. 26% say they will donate disappointing gifts to charity. 14% will adopt an out-of-sight, out-of-mind kind of thing by hiding the gift somewhere in the house where they won't see it. Uh, 18% will rewrap and re-gift to someone else. And 22% say that they uh, have uh, previously experienced this themselves, receiving a re-gifted gift. So a word of warning, if you are thinking of re-gifting a gift you don't want, there's a good chance, at least according to the survey, that you're going to get caught. <laughs> that that somebody's going to know that you have re-gifted them. So maybe you don't want to do that. Joining us now is uh, Sarah Clevidence, 
Director of the Findlay-Hancock County Public Library. Talk about what's happening as we come up on the month of October at the library. Uh, you are actually not at the library right now. You are uh, in Cincinnati, I understand, at the uh, Ohio Library Council Convention uh, this morning. Yeah. What uh, what happens at the Ohio Library Council Convention? You get together and talk library stuff, I would imagine. We do talk a lot of library stuff, yes. There'll be uh, keynotes every day uh, with, featuring different authors. There's uh, sessions on just about everything you could imagine. You know, there's librarians here from all around the state, from all disciplines of librarianship. They have well over 600 attendees this year. So there's sessions on new new ideas in story time or how to serve new Americans in your community, um, you know, mm-hmm. legal issues that might affect libraries. So there's just this huge variety of things that are covered in the breakout sessions. But probably the most important things that happen at convention are between the breakout sessions when we get to really talk to our colleagues from around the states and, and hear about what the best ideas are happening in their libraries and the challenges they're facing and you just build those connections so we have people we can call on when we have questions. I would imagine that uh, at an event like this, you often get ideas that you can bring back and incorporate here locally in terms of programming ideas or you know new twists on old ideas, that kind of thing. Absolutely. And we're also excited when we can share our ideas. We have one of our staff here this year who will be presenting on how to use Canva for marketing. There's a lot of Libraries of varying sizes in Ohio. Um, we're lucky to have a couple of staff uh, who are very talented uh, in the marketing area on our team, but uh, they're able to share some simple ideas for uh, those smaller libraries that don't have as many people dedicated to that purpose. And I guess on a uh, maybe a philosophical level, or you know, sort of a top level uh, sort of uh, sense, we've talked about it before uh, in in recent years. Libraries have uh, really evolved and become more than just a collection of books. You know, the place that you go for a collection of books. There's so much more that the library is and does with respect to technology and, uh, you know, online materials and resources and so on. Um, And and so really it's kind of a a clean slate on, on what the library can be in the 21st century. Absolutely. You know, I'm just looking at the first breakout session today. There are sessions on creating safe spaces for young families at your library. Uh, there's one on grant writing. There's one on how to use social media for readers' advisory, um, reimagining school readiness to how we prep our, our youngest readers for mm-hmm. the entrance to kindergarten, and cybersecurity threats that can can impact your library. Yeah. Uh, really uh, interesting stuff. So uh, getting a whole lot of uh, good information uh, from the Ohio Library Council Convention this week. Meanwhile, as we mentioned, we're coming up on uh, a new month. What is happening locally, the Findlay-Hancock County Library uh, Public Library, as we come up on the month of October? Well, speaking of new ideas, we have a new program that will be starting in our children's department in October. It's Adaptive Storytime. So uh, story time for children with uh, neurodiverse symptoms or those who have difficulty engaging during a traditional story time. Uh, that'll be offered on Mondays, uh, the, the 2nd, 16th, and the 30th at 6 p.m., and then uh, the Wednesdays of those weeks 
um, also will have some adaptive story time options. So that's all on our website, finleylibrary.org. But that's an, a new venture, uh, one that one of our children's staff worked on with a uh, social work grad student from the University of Finley to develop. That really sounds uh, interesting and uh, something I'm sure that uh, a lot of folks will uh, be interested in learning more about. What else is uh, is going on uh, that folks will want to uh, highlight uh, for the uh, month of October? Our adult uh, services programming staff are really excited about their Bridgerton party on Saturday, October 7th from uh-huh. 1 to 3. Uh, you know, tea, book tasting, crafts, photo shoot, you can... Wear your finest Bridgerton attire. So that should be a really fun one. For yeah. Uh, you know, the Bridgerton, uh, the uh, big, huge uh, series on Netflix that uh, a lot of folks have been watching. And you know, my wife is very into this. Uh, but for those who don't know, that uh, viral uh, sensa- streaming sensation is based on a series of books. Indeed it is. Some of the best story ideas come from books first. Absolutely, and uh, and again, as is usually the case, my wife says the uh, books are are much better uh, than the uh, than the TV show. So just to get the uh, the plug in there, your virtual author talks uh, continue uh, in the month of October as well. Yes, we have Rick Steves, uh, who you know, if you enjoy traveling, he's uh, does a lot of European travel tips and, and tools. Um, Ruth Ware will we'll speak mid-month, and then John Irving at the end of the month. And those are all done in conjunction with uh, MCPA. And anything else that we want to make sure that we highlight uh, in the uh, month of October? Well, uh, one last thing for the month of September. Uh, tonight is a crafter work program, and you can make the most adorable book witches. So they're repurposing uh, some used books. Uh, and turning them into a great Halloween decoration. Okay. All right. Very good. And that is uh, happening, uh, you said, tonight, right? Now, do folks, is, do folks need to register for that? or? Nope. You can just stop in. Okay. So it's, uh, uh, drop 5 by. to 7 in the Lindemann room tonight. 5, five o'clock uh, tonight at the uh, library. And uh, we also should mention uh, these are the uh, final days of uh, library uh, card sign-up month. Uh, library card sign-up month is in uh, September, too. So let's not forget that. Absolutely. Can, but you can come get your library card anytime. We'll be happy to get you signed up. Absolutely. Again, uh, Sarah Clevidence is director of the uh, Findlay Hancock County Public Library, coming to us this morning from the Ohio Library Council Convention in Cincinnati. I'm sure lots of great ideas will be coming back from that. And uh, Sarah, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. That, of course, goodmornings.net. You can also connect with us on social media, sign up for a daily email newsletter. Uh, find a link there to uh, email us directly if there's something you want to share one-on-one with us. The uh, link is there as well. Again, goodmornings.net is our little corner of the World Wide Web. Check us out online. And until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow. Oh,